We just want to welcome you here this morning. Um, if you are new here, we just want to let you know that you are welcome. There's a lot of people in this church here that uh, several years ago, this was their first time here too. They were in the same place that you were, and uh, they have called this place home. And so we just want to welcome you and would love to get to meet you after services if you'd like to stick around. Um, it, uh, in case you didn't get the memo or you are new here, I'm not Andy Rains. I don't meet the bicep size requirements, and uh, I'm a little bit wider, a little bit shorter, but I do have more hair than he does on his head, so we're good there. <laughs> this might be the last time I'm preaching because this is recorded, so... But no, um, that's, that's not who I am. And uh, my name is Luke Feeney. I'm the student pastor here. And uh, I just, I love what I do. Um, today, I've, we've got several that's uh, from our youth group and got a couple of young men that came in and they prayed with me before service started and just said, hey, we want to know you got this, you know, you're, you're going to get this done. God has, has laid this message on your heart and that was awesome. And then we had a couple of girls that uh, sang a special and, and that was amazing. And we've got Alicia, she loves Crocs and <laughs> even though nobody else does <laughs> and she, she's awesome. So I'm just, I'm just, I love what I do. And each, um, and we got to spend here a couple of weeks ago, we got to go to Branson to a uh, place called Collide. It was a youth retreat. And uh, during that youth retreat, the theme for that was called Identity. And it's just, uh, it's just amazing to know the, the person that uh, God has made us to be. And this morning, we're going to be reading in 1 Samuel chapter 16, or yeah, 1 Samuel chapter 16, and going to be kind of learning about uh, Samuel and how he identifies uh, the next king of Israel. So to kind of give you a background as to what's going on before we get into the text this morning, uh, we see that Saul is king over Israel by God's hand. And uh, in the beginning, he had followed God with, with his obedience. He followed him faithfully. And then a little bit later on, he kind of starts he gets that pride and that, and that power kind of builds up, and uh, it's more about his will and not just God's will. And so we see that our identity is shaped by what we feed it, by what we give into it. And so Saul had kind of tasted that power, and he knew what that was, and it started to consume him. And so he started taking control and doing what he wanted to do and not what God wanted him to do. And he, he ended up building a monument for himself. And, and so God saw that uh, Saul was unfit to lead. And so he rejected him. And uh, we see, uh, before we get into the text this morning, I just ask that if you would bow with me in prayer before we go over this, uh, just, just bow your heads with me. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day. We are so thankful for all the many blessings that you have given us. We are so thankful to... Um, be able to worship you and just to, just to read this word and, and be able to find out who you are and, and who you want us to be. We just ask that you'd bless us, watch over us, keep us safe. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So we see here in, in 1 Samuel chapter 16 that uh, in the first verse it says, The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul? I have rejected him from being king over Israel. 
Fear your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, for I have provided for myself a king among his sons. And so we see that um, God is, re- rejects Saul here. And, and he tells Samuel, he says, okay, he goes, I've got something for you. And the way he words it, he says, I have provided for myself a king among his sons. And it just, it's amazing to see that, that God doesn't need Saul. He doesn't need any one of us to be exact. He is sufficient in and of himself. He is not dependent on anybody, but we serve a God that is all powerful and, and just all he needs is, is himself. And so he had brought up a man that was after his own heart who would better serve him than what Saul had. And so then we get on into to verse 2, and it says, And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. And invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do. And you shall not anoint for me him whom I declare to you. And so we see that Samuel, he's kind of getting worried because he knows that, that Saul's kind of out of his mind. He's power hungry. He doesn't want anybody else to, to get that spot as, as king. And so Samuel's like, whoa, God, he goes, I don't, I don't know if I can do this, you know? And, and I think a lot of the times we can get the same way. We're like, God, I don't know about this. I don't know if I can stand in front of all these people this morning and, 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 and give your message or, or do what you're wanting me to do. But, but God is sufficient, and he, he, will, he will help you get through those things. And so he, he, uh, he tells Samuel, he says, don't worry about it. He goes, I'm going to provide a way for you. You're going to take a heifer down there, and, and everything's going to be all right. I'm not going to tell you to, to lie, but, but I'm going to provide a way out for you. And so he does that, and uh, we get on down into um, verse 4, and it says, Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him trembling and said, Do you come peaceably? And he said, Peaceably, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And so he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. And when they came, he looked on Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. And so you see, and I kind of get this like kickball at recess mentality. You've got, you've got God and, and they're, they're getting ready to play kickball and, and Samuel's on God's team and he's telling him, he's like, all right, God, all right, who are we going to pick? We've got all of these people right here. Look at, look at Eliab. Man, he is a good looking dude, right? He's tall. He's, he's strong. He's, um, he's mature. All of these things. And he's looking on his outward appearance. And he's saying, man, this is the guy, God, we need him, we need him on our team. And so we see in verse 7 that, um, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees, man looks on, out, on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Can I get an amen on that? <laughs> like the, that's good stuff right there. I am so glad God does not look on outward appearance because if, not, if so, I'd be in trouble. Um, but we see that God's appearance, his, his, his word is, he goes, I don't care about this outward appearance. I don't care that he's the best one for the job. I, that's not the one that I sent you down here to come get. I've got somebody else better in mind. And so the first thing that I want to bring to our attention this morning is what we look like, what I look like, is not my identity. Let that sink in for a second. What we look like is not our identity. We are in a 
culture today where identity is everything. Our looks are everything. You, you look at social media and, and just watching TV or doing anything, and it's, oh, well, this person has done this, and they're, you know, so, so beautiful. And, you know, it, it goes from, you know, being beautiful to having money to going on and on and on and on down the line. And, you know, mo- but the thing of it is, mostly every one of us has something that we don't like about the way that we look, Right? If you don't, come see me. I'm sure I could find something. <laughs> but, but that's the thing. It's okay. Why? Because our identity is not in our looks. It's just not. God says, you know, and it's okay to be kind of happy about our flaws and, 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 you know, to say, oh, well, I really just, I mean, I wish this would, I wish I had a little bit less of this and, you know, different things like that. But it's whenever we start letting it consume us and, and control us kind of the same way that Saul did with power, then that's what feeds into it. And, and that's how you lose your identity to something that's temporary. You know, I'm, I am so thankful for my wife. She loves, you know, I'm sure she wished I looked like Thor off of the Avengers, but, you know, she still loves me, right? Okay. (laughs) But even though, you know, even though Maddie still loves me, we have a God that loves me even more than that, and that he loves you even more than that. The Bible tells us that he knows the number of hairs that we have on our head, which probably include the number of moles that I have on mine, and that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, and that he not only made us as a group of people, but he made us individually who we are to this day. And so in verse 7, God, our creator, the author of all life, he doesn't just say, you know, what you look like is, is what's important, but he says what our hearts say about us means more so much than what our looks say about us. And that's just, that's great to know. Because I know if, if we done a hand raise this morning and somebody said, and I said, how many people's unhappy with their looks? There'd be a lot of hands raised. But that's not what God says our, our identity is. He said, I don't look on outward appearance. I look at what's in the heart. And so as we get back to Samuel, we see in verse 8 that... Um, Abinadab, then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, neither has the Lord chosen this one. And so we see that, you know, Samuel, he's like, all right, God, you know, I, I get it. You know, maybe, ha- maybe uh, Eliab, maybe had a sixth toe or something weird. He's not our, he's not our first choice. That's fine. Let's, let's move on. Let's get to this one. What about Abinadab? He's, he's a good choice, you know? He's the second oldest. He's probably mature. He's, he's had some experience behind everything. Maybe, maybe he's the one, right? And God's like, no, I, that's not the one that I'm choosing. And so um, we, we keep going down through here. And, and then it says in verse 9, Then Jesse made Shammah pass by, and he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made his seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. And, you know, you've, you've got you've to kind of relate to Samuel here. He's a, he's a man that, that, you know, God had sent um, on kind of a dangerous mission. He, he was worried that Saul was going to kill him if he had went and sent him down there to see Jesse's sons. And he starts going through the list. And 
I'm sure is beginning to think, why in the world am I here? Like, is this really what God wants me to do? Like, is this, is this really where he wants me to be? Maybe, maybe he changed his mind. And, and, and we do that exact same thing, right? We, instead of letting God just take control of our lives and, and use us the way that he wants us to use us and let him bless us for the things that we do do for him, we kind of start backing out whenever things aren't going the way that we want them to go or on the time schedule that we want them to go on, you know? And, and so I see, I, we see here that, you know, he's probably starting to get a little confused. I'm like, why in the world is, is this not, why, why isn't he picking anybody? This is it. Like, all of his sons are lined up. What left is there? But then we see in verse 11 that, that Samuel, he, he says to Jesse, are all your sons here? And he said, there remains yet the youngest, but behold, he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. And that brings me to my next thing is my experience does not define my identity. You know, just like Jesse's youngest son, sometimes we can be overlooked. And, and, and that kind of starts feeding into us a little bit, right? We, we tell ourselves, oh, well, nobody's paying attention to me. I, I can't really help do anything anyways. I don't, I don't have any experience in this area. You know, there's probably somebody way better else to do this, to, to teach this class, to, to give this devotion, to start a ministry for, for God, you know, that God is calling me towards, that I have a passion about, that I feel strongly about and want to be a part of. And then your mind starts telling you, well, maybe not our mind, but, but let, let's call it what it is. Satan starts telling us, you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You don't have the experience. You're just a car salesman. I can't. You know? And, it, and we start just letting that stuff feed into us. And we start taking it in. And we just start believing those kinds of things. And, and what's amazing, though, is, is what God tells us in Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. And it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. But in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make, your straight, he will make straight your paths. I don't know about you guys, but that's just good to know. You know, to be able to know that, that we can trust in our Lord God with all things. And that if what he says, what he wants us to do, where he wants us to be at, like this is the right place, then we can trust him and know that, that he has our best interests at heart, that he cares for us, that he loves us with everything that he has, and that, we, that he will make our path straight. And so we see in, in uh, verse 12 that the boy arrives and God tells Samuel, um, that he is, an, he is to anoint him. And so, and he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, arise and anoint him for this is he. And so you, you see, you see Samuel and, and, and he's, he's like, what are you doing? Like, we've got another son here. Why don't, why isn't he here? But he was off tending the sheep. And it was kind of like a, you know how, oh, well, the adults have got to talk. Let's send the kids off. That way we can have a conversation. That's, that's kind of what's going on there, I feel like. You know, David, just, just or, or boy, just go on and, and uh, do your own thing while, while the adults talk, while the adults have this conversation. 
And, um, and, and, and so he, he brings him in, and, and, he, and Samuel's probably thinking, oh, boy, here we go. Like, this, like the youngest of all of them, like, surely this is going to be the one that God's going to pick, I'm sure. And it doesn't say that there, but as humans, we can kind of, you know, relate to Samuel and, and, and feel that exact same feeling. Like, why would it that the one person that was overlooked even by his own family, how could he be the next king of Israel? He was the youngest, the most immature, the least experienced. And, and, it, and it's just, it's like, how in the world could, could this be the, the one that God wants? You know, Samuel's sitting there and he's probably thinking, you go back to that kickball mentality deal. And he's like, what are you doing, God? This is, this is the little kid that's playing in the dirt over here. He doesn't even want to play kickball. You know, he, he doesn't even want any part of this. He's, just, he, he, he's got no experience. He, we don't need him on our team. Like, but that's kind of got the thing that, you know, that's what I feel like Samuel's feeling right here. And, and you know, we... I mean, we're humans. That's, that's what we all think. We, we look towards outward appearance. We look towards experience. We, we look at these things. And um, we, we see here that, that uh, this is the one that God wants. He's like, I don't care. He's like, this is the one that I want. And then we see in, in, in verse uh, 13 that, that Samuel, he, he takes that horn of oil and anoints him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward, and Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. And so not only did Samuel probably kind of be a little bit confused about this, not only did he kind of feel like that maybe this wasn't the best choice, that maybe this wasn't the smartest decision, but I think the, the main point here that we need to look at is that what he did, even though of his doubts, he still trusted in God. He still followed with obedience towards God and, and listened to him and, and ended up anointing uh, David. And, you know, I don't think it was a coincidence that David's name wasn't mentioned until then. You know, uh, we see in chapters 13 and 15 that Saul was told that someone after God's own heart was uh, to replace him as king. But it wasn't until David was anointed and that the spirit of the Lord came upon them that we find out exactly who this is. You know, it, it, through this whole chapter right here, and, and you know, it mentions um, what the world, I guess you could say, considered the important ones. You know, Eliab and, and, and Abinadab and Shammah. And it, it mentions these ones that, you know, are, have the experience and have, you know, this, this identity because they're supposedly the oldest and the strongest and the most experienced and the most mature and David's not even mentioned, and neither are his other brothers for that matter, because they're not, they're, what are they? But God says, I want that one. That's the one I want, the least experienced, the one that, that I know has a heart after my own heart. That's the one I want. And so um, it, it, it mentions, it doesn't mention his name until right, hint, right then. And it's whenever the spirit of the Lord rushes upon him. And, and, and that's whenever it gets to, if our identity is not in uh, outward appearance and it's not an experience, then what is it in? And I think that our identity can be found in Christ, that it can be found in God, that we as, um, as people on this earth, just like in our lives today, we can seek after all the worldly pleasures. We can seek after beauty and money and social status and all of these things. 
And, and, and we think that those things are important because the world puts them on a pedestal for us. They say that those things are important to us, but they're not. It's like in Ecclesiastes, whenever Solomon's talking about it in chapter one, he's saying, these things, these vanity of vanities, they are empty, they're meaningless, they're pointless. We, the, these things are temporary. There's not, they're not gonna bring you joy. They're, they're, they might bring you happiness for a while, but they're not gonna, they're not gonna bring you a, a, fulfilled, a fulfilled heart and joy and, and peace. And so... Um, these things are temporary and you won't find your purpose there. You know, um, God created us to love and to be loved by him. And it's, it's in this time where whenever we give our life to Christ and, and recognize that the God that we serve, the creator of all life, the, the author of all life, this, this one true purposeful being that he gave it all for us, that he made us exactly who you wanted to be or who he wanted you to be. And we find out that not only do we find out who we are, but we find out whose we are. That we, that we serve a God that loves us and that cares for us and that, that wants our very best interests in our, in our lives. And even though that we can't see it sometimes, that we think that we've been dealt the bad hand, that we've been... Um, given uh, where we're not good at anything, that we don't deserve anything, that we don't, we just, we just don't. We, we, we just say, I can't, or I don't want to. Or, but it's whenever we start giving our life to Christ that we start recognizing that we are important, that we are of value, that, that we are loved individually, not just as a group. And I, I, I really want to get that across, that that God loves Drew Minnick, that God loves uh, Jim McAllister, that God loves Zach Jameson, that he loves you people as individuals and everybody else in this room as individuals. And that he gave you, even though you don't see it right now, he has given you a talents and abilities to be able to glorify his name and to be, help others find the identity in their lives that, rely, that, that lies in Christ. And so... Um, he wants us to have a relationship with him and to find purpose in the, the fact that we were designed to belong with him and that when we were separated from him by sin, that he sent his son as a sacrifice to redeem us so that we could be restored into his love and a relationship with him. Like, that's just, that's the kind of God we serve, guys. Like, not only did, did he just give us something or just one little piece of something, but he gave us his only. And that just, that just I mean, that just makes you just, ah, it makes me happy, you know? It makes me feel good to know that, that someone, that a being is more powerful and, and more anything than, than my insignificant life could ever become, that he cares for me. And that he loves me. And so going back to our, our, our identity and, and, and who that makes us, we, we sometimes look at other people in our lives. We look at and try, and try to do the compare game, right? Well, so-and-so over here, they're, they, they really, um, they've really got it going on. They've got a good job. They've got a, they've got a good house. They've got a good life. They, they've got good looks. Why can't I be like them? 
And that goes back to the same thing, is because God created you with a purpose. And God, the one that created you, the, the creator of everyone, he's not just looking on the outside, but he's looking on the inside. And so um, whenever he's, he's doing that, and whenever, uh, whenever we compare ourselves to others and, and, and try to use this deal where we are who we say we are, who, who we think we are, and why can't we be like this person, and why can't we be like that person, and, and why is my life crumbling and, and, and falling apart? Why is my marriage falling apart? Why don't my kids like me? Why, am I, why can't I have this family? And we think that, that, that God isn't even there. But, but uh, it's, it's something that my mom got me here um, a few days ago, and, and it was in my office, and we looked at it this morning right before we prayed, and it's Joshua 1, uh, verse 9, and it says... Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Be strong and courageous. Don't hide in the, in the shadows and think that you're not worth anything. Because you are, because God says you are. He says, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I think a lot of the times we, we, we lose sight of that. We don't think that God's in our lives, but he's always there. We just haven't opened our eyes to see it very well. And so um, whenever we allow him to, to come into our lives, we don't worry about those other people. We don't worry about trying to act a certain way or, 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 or be like somebody, but we recognize that God has created us uniquely in, in how he wants us to. You know, I, I'm just going to get real with you guys here for a minute. There's, up until a few days ago, Andy Raines is a great pastor. And if this is your first time uh, being here, come back next week because he is an amazing speaker. And a lot of the times whenever I was, I was standing up here and whenever I would get up here, I would, I, would, uh, I would kind of just feel inadequate. Like, God didn't bless me as much as what, Andy, as what he blessed Andy Raines. That Andy Raines was a you know successful, important. Um, he 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 knew his Bible. He knows his Bible through and through. That he is is you know a, a good role model and, and a good you know person there to be there. And you know I, you get up here and you're like, how in the world do I fill these shoes? Like how how do I be like him? And, and, and how, do I, how do I be a good preacher like him? And how do I speak like him? Like, he's just got some stuff where, I mean, he can just, it just rolls off the tongue. And I'm like, my goodness, like, <laughs> I don't have that. And that's okay. And up until a few days ago, I didn't realize that it was okay. But it's okay that I'm Luke Feeney. Because that's exactly who God created me to be. That's exactly who he wants me to be. And even though I'm not Andy Raines, that's okay. Because God will still use me in a way that is pleasing to him, that, that he knows that he will um, bring me up out of, and, and, and if I'm just willing, that, that he will use me. It's, it's so easy to get wrapped up in, in trying to be like somebody else and trying to seek your identity in somebody else's successes. But that's not where our identity is. It's where Christ is. It's, it's knowing that he died on the cross, 
for our sins and that he loves us with all his heart and that he has his best intentions for us. And as um, the song leader and piano player come up here this morning and we give an invitation, I just, uh, I just, I, I want you to think about that and think about where your lives are this morning. Is your lives and your identity and somebody else's successes and their, and their achievements and everything, and you are, are you striving to be like that? Are you, are you striving to be that person? Are you striving to be the person that God wants you to be? Are you um, unhappy with the way that you look or the way that um, you, the clothes that you wear or something along those lines? Because, guys, it's easy to be that way. It's easy to feel like you don't mean enough and that, you're, that you don't look the best or that you don't have the nice clothes to wear. And it's, and it's all happened to us. We all feel that way because we look around in our society today and we see these things and, and they hold it up to a higher standard. But I just ask that if, 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 you, are, if you are struggling and, you, and you're, you're wanting to find that identity, you're wanting to find that fulfillment in your life, that happiness, that joy in your life that Christ has given me, then you have that chance this morning to do so. And it just starts by asking him, it just starts by saying, God, I know that I can't find all of my um, uh, identity in, in all of these worldly pleasures and in, 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 in this world that it is beyond that because you created me to be an, an eternal being, to be a being that, that has a relationship with you and that values you and that, that you value. And so if you are dealing with any of those things or, or wanting to to find that peace and to find that happiness. I ask that while we stand this morning and God gives us a chance to respond to him, that you would, that you would come forward this morning, even, even if it's not something where it's, a, um, it, it's not a, a, an identity thing that you have found your identity in Christ, but you just kind of fell back a little bit. Like it, the world's tore you down and it's brought you to a low and, and you just don't know if God's there to help you through it. Know that he's there to help you through it. And know that if you do come up here this morning, that you have people that will surround you and that will love you. And that's God's way of saying, hey, I've got your back. So as we bow this morning in prayer, um, if it be God's will and your will if you would come this morning while we pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you.